Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You are tuned in listening to the Cinematic Odyssey here on U92 The Moose. Max and I, we're going to be talking about the classic, Christmas classic that everybody and their mom knows about. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life with uh, James Stewart, Zed, uh, or feature actor. And uh, it's a, fa- a Frank Capra film who's made many uh, influential and, and uh, quote-unquote classics of the quote-unquote golden age of Hollywood in like the 40s and the, and the 50s. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about that today. Um, and I guess it's really a film that doesn't really need any introduction. I, I think a lot of people know about it. It's, funnily enough, I didn't really remember it, even though I watched it when I was a kid. But frankly, I did not remember any details. I didn't even remember the characters' names. I didn't remember. I, I didn't remember anything about the plot. I didn't remember anything that really kind of happened in the movie. So going into this, it was kind of like my first time watching it, even though it technically wasn't. But um, I was pleasantly surprised and. Uh, I I genuinely enjoyed watching it. Um, I don't know if Fair. I don't know about you, but that's very very kind. It was also my first time, but for real, my first time. Uh, just because we were never an "It's a Wonderful Life" family, we were a Christmas Eve on Sesame Street family, and so you know we never decided. Oh, we'll, we'll dig out the old black and white "It's a Wonderful Life" and watch. James Stewart get really, really depressed. Um, but I, I I did enjoy it. There are really, really good parts of this film. It's just I there are some things that I can't get over about it, just the development of it um, that rub me the wrong way. And I have a whole game uh, for later planned around uh, one of my pet peeves about this film, but it was enjoyable. Um, I and I think one of the like great appeals and you know that help it out is that it's not incredibly deep. It's not like you have to d- devote an incredible amount of time to sit and watch it. It's not like the story is too terribly complex. Um, it's not, you know, weaving in multiple personalities and loopholes. And, you know, it's a very, it's a simple one. You can sit down and watch it and enjoy it with the family. And I think that's why it became such a classic. I mean, you, I mean, I know the whole story about the, uh, it becoming, uh, it fell into the public domain. And so people could just broadcast it. And that's when people started watching it. But the film itself is, you know, it's got the makeup of a classic. It's simple. It's to the point. Get you in and out in two hours. Yeah. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, I wasn't, I again was not very um, aware of the film. But cast includes some big names from back in the day, uh, including, but not limited to, James Stewart as George Bailey, the lead. Donna Reed as Mary Bailey, uh, his uh, wife eventually. Lionel Barrymore, grandfather of Drew Barrymore, 
Tada. Also an actor in his own right, but uh, he plays Potter. And then uh, another notable name, Henry Travers as Clarence the Angel. Um, but a very, very ensemble cast in the film. Uh, large cast of characters with of a lot of fe- a lot of scenes, a lot of lines spread between them, which you know, again, it's small town America. It's stuff that people really, really love and can kind of fall back on and enjoy because it's you know, it's 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 a classic, man. It's, it's a classic. A classic. But yeah, um, I'm just kind of reading on some of the the production history of the film. Um, there was multiple different versions of it, uh, written by three different screenwriters. Mm. Um, in the in the version that was most likely going to be an alternative to the one that we know was George Bailey being a politician. But it's, and then he grows more cynical over the years. But then his interaction with Clarence the Angel is more so, what if he wasn't a politician? And what if he was... Uh, what if he became a businessman instead? That was kind of like the pivot of the film in that version, which certainly is not as moving or as good. No, uh, wouldn't happen. Um, so yeah, I think I think the current version or the version we know is uh, far superior to that, which ultimately ten- ended the- ended up being the case, obviously, because it was the one that was made. Um. This was apparently Capra's, like, first Hollywood film, quote-unquote. And I want to I wanna make a little retraction. I didn't mean the 50s. 40s and 30s was his, were, were his decades. Um, um, I think Frank Capra's decades. Um, most of his, like, classics came out in the 40s, though. But anyways, this is, like, his most famous film, obviously. But, um, yeah, Capra did not have a good relationship with the screenwriter. Uh, the guy went so far as to say, a ho- called Frank Capra a horrid man. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because Capra wanted to change it to the version that we know. And he was very, uh, he wanted it done as fast as possible, like the screenplay. But that's kind of some of the uh, uh, some of the some of the production history. It was also adapted from a book by the name by the it's a short story, not a book. Short story called the uh, The Greatest Gift. Ooh. Who wrote that so. st- that story? Do you have it? Have the name? Philip Philip Van Doren Stern. I was. So betting it was going to be another O. Henry who did Gift of the Magi. And I was like, oh, wow, that guy really loves Christmas. No. I visited his grave once, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Buried in Asheville, North Carolina. 
Wait, is he? Mm. Yeah, he is. I had to think about that. That the short uh, story is. Oh, sorry. What do you say? No, no. Go for it. I said the short story is loosely based off of uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Hmm. So, you know, interesting some connection there. But as we yeah. were talking about before we started, is this a Christmas movie? No. No. Well, I think it well, is. But not in the way that people tend to remember it or talk about it. It's talked about like a Christmas film. It's not, you know, when people say it's a wonderful life, you're like, oh, it's a Christmas movie. Because I know a lot of people say this is the best Christmas movie ever made. And I disagree. Yeah. Um, Because for one, I think Christmas takes a backseat. It's more like the events of the film happen to take place during Christmas. Rather than the holiday being the focal point of the film. Yeah. I agree. Um, So. Yeah. Because I think uh, I think Muppets Christmas Carol is better than this. <laughs> I mean, I think I think a lot of things are better than this. And yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I want you to I want to get I into that. Drag it. I mean, Frank Capra is a comedic director. He's he's making sure to get a lot of he makes sure to get a lot of jokes into his film. Actually. Funny little anecdote: this the film he re- released before "It's a Wonderful Life" is called "Arsenic and Old Lace," starring Cary Grant, adaptation of a play by Joseph Kesselring, and I know because I was in it. I played uh, Doctor Einstein, uh, and stop me when these uh, adjectives get too crazy. He's an, a German alcoholic plastic surgeon. Uh, and he fixes Boris Karloff's face. Um, <laughs> and it's basically a story in which uh, everybody is getting together. Everybody in the family is a murderer, pretty much, or crazy. And they're mm. just killing people and burying them in the cellar. Black comedy, but very funny. I see. And so I see. he makes sure to get a lot of the um, humor into the film. Uh, he does a great job at capturing the drama, but he definitely um, le- leans into the slapstick kind of vaudevillian humor of the mm. day. But question was, what do I feel about this? Right? What do I think? Yeah. Oh, buddy. This movie is so 40s. It's it's so 40s. I like there are some movies that can, you know, transcend it like Casablanca that beats it a little bit. It gets through. It's a little bit more varied, different. Whenever these people talk, I, I think the acting is flat. I think that the the script is rough. The story is good, but the script, the the dialogue that these people have is oh rough. yeah, the writing, the, yeah, dialogue. The yeah. way that they talk, yeah, the writing is, but the way that they talk to each other, they just need to be loud, 
and they all have the same accent. So they all sound the same. And that's something I've mentioned before when we talked about an older film. I don't remember what it was, but it's the American accent. That was something that people learned. That's why everybody in like the radio ads from like the 30s to the 50s all sounds the same. They were doing like the general American accent because it sounds the most appealing and the most applicable to everybody across the country. You're not doing a drawl. You're not doing like a, a Brooklyn accent or something like that. It's like a general America. It appeals to everybody. And yeah. so in Hollywood, early Hollywood, they were making sure to get that accent out. But, you know, when the dialogue is fast-paced and everyone's kind of turning at each other, it just kind of turns into... And it's... <laughs> everyone's, everyone's loud to start, and they just keep getting louder with no real reason for doing so. And it it, it bugged me just a little bit because I... I, it, oh. <laughs> I... I mean... I feel bad for George. Honestly, I do. A little bit. I feel bad for George. Because I think how you view this film at least i mean personally i thought it was middle of the a middle of the road piece but i would like to see it remade with people acting in it with a modern style because i think it could be really good okay but better writing too yeah exactly or at least you know they could actually you know have dimension in their voice and they're not using the uh accent they're everyone speaking in their own voice and hopefully huh. then a little bit it's a little bit more grounded in the realism yeah but the how you view this like whether or not you feel bad for george or whether or not you you know respect his choices or you know would agree with what he did i think it all based it, it's based on how you view happiness and how you view your life and fulfillment cuz like for me honestly I am not as selfless as George. Mm -hmm. I I would be if I reached that point in my life. I I think I would it would take me quicker to reach the breaking point that George reaches, uh, because everything that I've ever wanted to do, I've not been able to do because I've been focused on helping somebody else. And I think it's almost impossible for me to make that argument for George, because while I wouldn't have done the same thing, George does care about everybody so very much. He cares about his father and his business. He cares about, you know, helping every member of the town and improving and, you know, growing their their lives into you know fruitful endeavors and not you know shanty towns and you know drunkards and everything like yeah. that like he has that care he has that passion that's in his character and so to put me in that makes it a different movie which isn't really fair this is like the coda uh explanation here well gee i i didn't like it because i wanted a different movie 
I'm I'm dragging you through the mud right now. Hope you enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make sense for me to sit here and argue that. Because it doesn't make sense. Because George is compassionate and caring and selfless and he does want to help everybody. And so it's like, well, I'll get there someday or I'll get there eventually and it'll be fine. Like, this is more important. And, you know. Mm-hmm. That's 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 my moral philosophy. Like, would you would you agree with George? Like, would you have done the same thing? What do you mean the same thing? Are you mean what are you talking about specifically? Like everything well, he I mean, does. I mean, kind of, yeah. Like if you're met with the um same situations are you doing that are you going on your honeymoon and taking your trip or are you helping bail everybody out and saving your business are you canceling your college trip or giving your brother your college uh fund so that you could stay and run the business like i mean i don't know i'm (laughs) i would never be in that situation but um yeah, but hypothetically, no. I mean, I would like to say yes. I would like to say yes, but I don't. I don't know. I, I may, maybe I'm not that selfless. Who knows? But I mean, that's. I would like to think so, but I, you know, to say yes, I think would be a little, a little fanciful, perhaps, because, you know, I think the way that George is, he's sort of like a messianic figure to these the people the townspeople the townsfolk and he's such a he's put in such an idolized state where he can kind of do no wrong um but then you know he reaches this breaking point when something bad happens and he's like oh my gosh i can't i can't get myself out of this one and then he's like all right i'm just gonna jump off this bridge and then you know he he was saved, but um, but he still jumped off the bridge regardless. Yeah, which I mean, really, it's just funny. Isn't that funny? Like when he was the angel supposed to appear to make him stop from jumping off, yet he he still jumped in to still save the him. angel. It still What's wouldn't that? have killed him. Yeah, because he f- jumped in just fine. The height wasn't big enough to kill him on impact. I bet he was hoping for, like, pneumonia or something. Yeah, like hypothermia or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but that's a bad way to go. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But funny, though. It's funny that the whole... The angel was trying to prevent him from, like, committing suicide, yet he's still made him jump in the river to save him. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, wait, what? That... Don't you not want him to jump in? I'm confused. Um, But anyways, yeah, so, you know, he jumps in. Um, But again, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I know that is my um that I think everybody would 
would say, yeah, that would totally, I would totally do the things he did. But again, I think it's hard to really actually pull, go through with those decisions. Yeah. If you're faced with those, uh, those choices, you know, agreed. Yeah. Which I think, um, I think highlights, uh, his, his kind of elevated godlike status that he holds in the film. You know? George? Um, yeah. Yeah, which kind of, I mean, you know, you, I, when I was watching it, I was like, man, this guy's really amazing. He's like, you know, amazing dude. This guy is like <laughs> incredibly based. He's like, Helping, giving people money, like, for free. I'm like, dude, what? This guy is incredible. Most based man in America. I mean, oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, you know, who, um, I wish, I wish there was people out there in those positions that would actually do that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean um, but there the really thing, isn't. He's not in the position of power. Which is the crazy thing. He's just doing the best he can. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um... And I know, I know we said it's not a Christmas film. Or you think it's not. I, I sort of think it is. You know, it's like um, the Eyes Wide Shut thing, where it's like yeah. it's not a Christmas film, but it takes place during Christmas. Right. Same thing with this. It takes place during Christmas, but doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the holiday. But um, I was mentioning that before this, that um, in a way, I guess... It kind of relates to Christmas, given his very selfless nature. And he's, like, constantly, you know, doing things for others, for the benefit of others. And, yeah. you know, being this kind of messianic figure to the to the people of the town. That, in a way, in a very stretched-out way, you could maybe make the connection that it's a Christmas film because he sort of is like Jesus. I mean, you're right. I mean, the <laughs> like, we say Elf is a Christmas movie. Like, Elf is about, you know, you've got themes of acceptance, you've got themes of family, you've got themes of, you know, togetherness and belonging and, you know, unity. But, like, the holiday helps people to believe that. That's why Elf is a Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, maybe Santa Claus helps, too, but, you know, that that's why that's a Christmas movie. I mean, I, I would, if we're using this same logic here, and I fully agree with it, Love Actually is a Christmas movie. Mm. Because it is specifically centered on the holiday. It is specifically uh -huh. centered around the the holiday improving people, helping people to notice the love in their lives and everything like that. Uh -huh. It's a wonderful life. It just takes place. Like I, I, I can I can see it more than Eyes Wide Shut, 
definitely. Because yeah. they do do like the goodwill drive at the end. Um I mean that's all like a Christmas thing. It's a Christmas gift to George. Uh, mm-hmm. they're having a party. It's it's sort of like the uh And I mean we we could definitely make a comparison to like death and rebirth. Like George dies, I say in air quotes. Um or at least experiences life if he weren't there. And then he gets yeah. a second shot, basically. Yeah. Or at least a, you know, push in the right direction. Which, you know, coincides with the birth of Jesus. This mm-hmm. holy good figure, which is like a rebirth. He gets kind of the green light to keep going and doing what he's doing because he's worked so hard for others. He's cared so much for others. Other people will, will see him and repay him. Which is right. again, sort of like a Jesus thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, um, <laughs> I, I want to mention what I thought was very funny mm-hmm. when he's like, Going through the town, if as if he was was never born, and he's you know running into all his people that he knows, but the and then he goes into the downtown like Main Street area, and it, you know those those like those shots of the stores, yeah, <laughs> and like all the stores into like clubs and bars and like oh so it's spooky so, so evil, <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a bunch of clubs. It's just you know, downtown Morgantown. <laughs> no, but I, but like the way that the film frames it, it's like this is a bad thing. Like these are bad yeah. things. Like clubs and bars are bad places for bad people. It's like you know that that uh, it's it's the implication of those those establishments existing is like a bad thing. I believe the word you know, impropriety has been thrown around. Yeah, because, well, also, too, Potter, the the antagonist of the film, uh, whatever his first name is, the old the old dude who's, like, a very mean, meanie bobini, like, I, I gotta take all your money. Like, you know, that type, that type of dude. Uh, very greedy Potter. guy. What not Harry Potter, yeah. Um Henry Potter, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Henry Potter. Um, you know, he renames the city to Pottersville classic. Uh but it's fun I don't know, I just thought it was so funny to see that those shots of the, the clubs and the bars and I'm like Oh no, so 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 taboo. Oh I mean <laughs> Like, I mean, isn't it silly? It's silly. It's yes. so silly. I don't know. I just think it's silly. I I love it. I mean, it that it's it's a little goofy. It's a little goofy. And I'm glad. I mean, it's certainly it dated. Up. Oh yeah, yeah. It's dated. Yeah. Yeah. The but I wanna I wanna I know you did this a little bit already. Your thoughts on Potter. Because I'm like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, this dude is something else. He's like comically evil. He's 
Like he's the complete. He's literally like um the complete opposite of George. George is this idyllic figure who can do no wrong, and then Potter is like the he's like Satan incarnate who only does wrong. He only does bad things because he's just pure evil. You know, it's like there is no gray area whatsoever with these characters, and I don't think that necessarily needs to be the case. Um, because I think you know, obviously, helping people is the thing people should do. You should be helping others, like no matter what. Um, Absolutely. I think the message of the film is is very good, and I agree with it. Um, but I think it's 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 pretty funny the way that it's presented in this very black and white way. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, Potter... What are you saying? What are you going to say? I was going to say, I mean, you've got Potter sitting in his chair, literally getting pushed around by someone he employs. I mean, if that's not... Yeah. Immediately the opposite. Does he smoke a cigar at all at any point? Definitely. I'm trying to think. He does. Does he? I'm trying to He has them, at least. Yeah, yeah. I know he mentions them. But, you know, all he needed left was the top hat and the monocle, bro. He was chilling. He was he was two things away from, from being that perfect image. <laughs> oh my gosh, that guy was something else. Ah. I mean Dude, when he was when he what there was a moment when I was like, this guy is just comically evil. It's just like funny at this point how like bad he is i think it was when he was what's up no finish your thought oh i think it was when he was having a conversation with with george and i think george was talking about needing um it was before it was before the development of the neighborhood was built Mm-hmm. Where they had a conversation together, and oh my gosh, I think Potter wanted to like bankrupt. He wanted to bankrupt the 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 building and loan business or whatever. Like the stock market that... crash. Like the point where he was like, "I'll buy your shares for fifty cents on the dollar uh, because fifty cents per share is better than nothing." And he's just he he is trying to put the the thing out of business. Yes, that's right, that's right. And then all those uh, all those people would go like, wouldn't they be like homeless or out of homes? Right? They would be out of money. I mean, at least because it's the Great Depression, man. Ain't yeah. no cash. Hmm. Yeah, I forget what like what would occur to those people. It, it was either yeah, lose the money and lose their home. One or the other. But I was like, dude, what? Like, this guy is crazy. This guy has all this money in the world. More than he'll ever need. And he's like, I, alright, I want more. I want more. I need more. <laughs> I mean, he kind of just oozes evil. He, I yeah. mean, you want to talk about a bad guy, you talk about this guy who's like, what? You know, you just, you know, you ever just ha- casually 
have a conversation with your rival or competitor, your business partner. You say, well, huh, you're worth more dead than alive. Ooh, just... That's what it was. That's what it was. I remember now. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah, because they had lost all the money because his, his uncle gave him the envelope on accident, gave Potter the envelope with all the money in it. Yep. And and he and George literally went to Potter as a last resort and was like, dude, can you just please help me out, bro? Like <laughs> please help me out. And he pulls out his life insurance policy and is like, you know, this has what do you say? Like a hundred and fifty dollars. He needed eight grand. He needed eight grand. It had he's like, like five hundred dollars in equity. In equity, yeah, to like be ready to pull out. And then he said that line. I'm like, insane. That that's one of the coldest things you could possibly say to a person. You're worth more dead than alive. It's it's literally just the sign to end it all. Like, that's. I'd be dead at that point. Like, you're worth more dead than alive. Holy, not, I mean, he Potter's talking from a financial standpoint, too. Like, quite literally, the money that you would be made after your death is more than the equity that you have in all of your uh, possessions. But, like, Mm -hmm. imagine saying that as a person, too. Like, you have nothing, you are nothing, you've been nothing, and at least when you die, you'll have a headstone, almost, kind of deal. Like, imagine if you it was like a personal insult, which it might be still, but you know, but the... Oh, to just to say that to someone requires you to just have a Grinch-level heart. But it's also probably black. It's like Scrooge times Grinch. Scrooge times the Grinch to the power of beginning of the movie Walter Hobbs. <laughs> That's what I mean exactly. Like it's it's funny. The, like at a certain point it just gets like so outlandish, it's just hilarious. You know, you just can't help but laugh. And that's what I did when I heard that. I, I just laughed. I was like, this guy is ridiculous. This guy is literally like evil incarnate. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, so funny. Yeah. If you want to go yeah. down the road, I mean, Frank Capra's the based director who's saying, uh, monopolies are bad. Don't put all the power and, fi- uh, money in the hands of one person we need small businesses buy local like that's the theme that's the theme of the movie buy local yeah (laughs) buy local (laughs) we're doing it in the 40s (laughs) if you're watching it's a wonderful life it's your sign to go to a farmer's market (laughs) 
Support your mom and pop shops. Yes. Uh, I don't think that's the theme of the movie. What do you mean? <laughs> it's by local. Yeah. <laughs> nah, dude. Nah. <laughs> I don't he think you. Life- I don't think you watched the same movie I watched. He puts his life on hold to save the building and loan, because he's the only other person that people can go to for their money besides Potter. Oh, and he helps everybody. <laughs> like he's like it. Oh, like if he's gone, so, Potter has oh my, okay. I got it. I got it now. I got it. It's basically yeah. It's just like, but even then, like um. In in this in this case, George still has power over these people. He doesn't use it, or look to use it even. Like he's not looking to cash in on everybody, and he's not no, going around no. And asking. Oh no, no, he doesn't. No, well, that's what makes him a good person, though. Yeah. But I'm saying is that. Him and Potter, although Potter has more power, but him and Potter are kind of like in the same position, sort of, where they have money, they have power to kind of influence the lives of these people. George is doing it in a positive way, whereas Potter wants to do it in a negative way so he can just benefit himself. Mm. But But the problem is, is that why is it at the behest of one single person to decide all these things? And obviously the film is not going to get that deep into, you know, systemic issues of like capitalism or whatever. <laughs> so, Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's a Christmas. <laughs> I mean, on that front, like, I mean, it can go back to the, it's quintessentially American. You can buy your, and start up your own business and have your own thing. And the evil mega corporation coming in and taking over everything is inherently the bad guy. I mean, watch a Hallmark movie. It's the same thing. You know, oh no, the family owned bakery is going to be put out of business by the massive uh, cookie corporation. But then they'll band together and they'll keep the uh, little cookie shop open because it matters. Again, hashtag buy local. But uh, (laughs) it's... I mean, I think at this point, anyone could have started their own building and loan. Anyone could have, you know, developed an empire at that point. Um, to try and rival Potter in the town. But, because, like, it wasn't George's business. He didn't start the business. He didn't set out with the goal of, you know, keeping it alive. But he saw what his father was doing with the business and felt that it was important to continue. So, like, Mm -hmm. it did fall on him. It did fall to him to kind of keep it up because no one else would have run the company. Mm-hmm. Everyone else had different specialized skills. You know, you got the police officer, you've got, you know, and it'll make more sense when I mention why I mentioned this later, but like, you've got the women 
why would they ever be trusted in a position of power in the 40s? Um, you've got, you know, what, the bartender and the grocer and the stock trader. And none of them are really going to step in and, and, and cover that. It's just, you know, small town, keep it in the family. It shouldn't, it shouldn't fall to one person. I mean, they could have looked to hire somebody outside, but I don't think somebody would have applied. Mm-hmm. And so, like, at the risk of losing an important business, George decides to keep it open, at least to prevent the monopoly. Mm-hmm. And, like, that one decision prevents... What's it? Why do I forget the name? What is it? Bedford? Bedford Grove, Hollow? Bedford, uh, Bedford, Bedford, uh, Hall, Hills? Bedford Hills? Bedford Falls? Bedford Falls. Yeah. Yeah, Bedford Falls. He keeps it Bedford Falls and not, you know, crawling with nightclubs. <laughs> Ooh, the spooky, scary nightclubs. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, nightlife. Oh, scary. Oh my god, a bar? God forbid, no. <laughs> oh, a cut, a club? Oh my god, the heathens in there. Oh, the debauchery. <laughs> I, I I can almost picture like a town hall meeting about this. People are outraged. They the club the clubs promote promiscuity. And Potter says no, and like slams his gavel. And now we've got six nightclubs. Yeah, literally all on the same street, right next to each other. Sounds like downtown Morgantown. <laughs> <laughs> Morgantown, Morgantown. I'm just, slipping, I'm just slipping the references in. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I, for- I was gonna say something, but I forgot about. Uh, hmm. Maybe I'll remember. But uh, yeah. Also, um. Yeah, I want to talk about the f- we kind of you you mentioned it though, but they're acting. Yes, you know it's just like you know James Stewart. Obviously, you know the the dude is highly praised. Um, and I and yeah, like that voice that they all have, that radio voice is just so grating. Oh man, I just think it's funny. Um, I don't. It's like, oh, well. I mean, that's kind of a given. Given it's nineteen forty six, there's only like one black person in the in the film, and she's a she's like a maid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> L. Everybody else is white. 
I mean, yeah. I, Although I when mean, you... I'll, I'll, I was going to say, I'll repeat myself. You think they're going to let a black person own a business? In 1940s? 1940s no. Come on. It's funny, too. I mean, also, well, if you go to a town named Bedford Falls, I'm assuming only white people would live there anyways. I mean, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of with the territory. I mean, <laughs> touche. Um, that is, that is a touche. Oh boy. Say Tristan. Oh, here I remember. I remember what I was nope. gonna say. Go do it. Another aspect of this of the film and its message is, you know, outside of like George being good, and whether or not you would do the same things George does. But I think something that is also important to note is the impact you have on others, whether or not you think about it. Because I, you know, the film highlights that very clearly when he is in that alternate world where he's not born, um, and you know, in his case, it's obviously elevated because he literally is responsible for giving out loans to people, and he built a lot of homes for people, and all those, all those sorts of things. But I mean, outside of that, I think, you know. We may think we seem in- insignificant, but uh, it's important to not forget that we all are important and uh, we play a role in other people's lives, whether we may think about it or not. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> and obviously it's, it's important to, whenever you do have interactions with other people, you you keep it as uh as as positive as possible in the sense of like you know if you can help others out obviously you definitely want to do that um 10 times out of 10 you know what i mean cuz i thought it was uh i thought that was one of the more i think that was the thing that i kind of came away with the most i would say is the fact that you know, one person can affect so many other people's lives. Um, so I think that's that's something important to kind of mention. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the construction of the film helps with that, too. Like, you don't need the massive scene to lead up to explain how this affected. Like, just the little Mr. Gower with the pills. Just the simple that simple little exchange in a stock room one day. Yeah. Saved him from going to prison for the next number of years, being homeless, being a uh, alcoholic uh panhandler. Like that's one yep. thing. That's like a conversation. It's like saying if you went to work and had a conversation with your uh 
coworker in the break room, and then you left. If that, it's like saying if that conversation never happened, your coworker was then uh, living sentenced to life in prison for a number of you know accidental but heinous crimes. Mm. It's like the weight, yeah, behind that little tiny thing mm-hmm. matters. And it's not like we could say that it doesn't matter. It's just like George did what was right in that situation yeah. and stopped the bottle from going out. He wasn't like, well, I trust Mr. Gower. He's like, I can see what's going on. Yeah. Mr. Gower was uh, not having a good day, so <laughs> he messed no. up. I mean, he made a mistake. The guy was like old and he... Yeah. Didn't realize that he accidentally put poison in the pill because he didn't he didn't notice that. But and also too with with George saving his brother from drowning, yeah, and like and how that indirectly you know save other lives in World War Two. Exactly. You know, it's, there's that cause and effect. Yeah, and. Even the fact that he jumps in and saves his brother and he gets the infection that allows him he can't hear in the one ear. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, get, that ends up with him staying home from the war, which allows him to keep funding and supporting and, you know, driving around, you know, morale back at home. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's incredible. It's like the it it is it, it's a great story. Yeah. Which is Oh yeah. what I hold up hold it up for. Mhm. Like Yeah, and I and um also too, I think um because when I was watching this Mackenzie was telling me like you know like he gets he gets tired of the fact that he feels like he's not successful cuz i mean that's sort of a thread that we see in the film where he talks about all these plans he wants to do in his life he wants to go travel the world he wants to be an adventurer you know he says like to marry his wife like you want the moon i can lasso it for you and take it down here for you you know, he's a very ambitious guy and he wants to be, do these big things and um, and be like, tr- like the quote unquote, be the ex- success, success story, like chase the American dream or whatever. And I think the film is very good on subverting that and being like, it's not, it's not about that. You know, life, your life on earth is not about being this um this hugely like financially successful person or whatever and and george is kind of towards like the second the the third let's say the third act of the film where he's getting close to jumping off that bridge and then the encounter occurs with his angel where he's like dude i'm what have i done in my life what have you even done? I, you know, he feels like he hasn't accomplished anything. 
You know what I mean? Because he looks at Potter. And he's like, oh, you know, he kind of has it. Even though Potter's a miserable guy who just wants to do nothing but just freaking cut everybody down and build himself up from others people, uh, other people and exploiting others and doing all these bad things. Um, and it took, and it took that, that divine intervention for him to, to realize like, no, you know, I actually did live, I have been living a, a, well, wonderful life as the film is called, um, and helping others and being there for other people. I think that's so beautiful. I think, um, it's, it's a very potent, poignant, um, aspect about this film yeah i mean i was wondering who was going to be the first to do it you or me um dropping the title of the film i i'm (laughs) shocked it was you honestly i'm shocked (laughs) but i mean like it's a matter of perspective you could look at George and say, well, he could have done this, he could have done this, he could have gone to college, he could have gone traveling and gone to university and been, you know, something something way better. More famous, more successful, more whatever. You could look at him in, in, in the way that he is, which is like the middle of the road. He does what he can to help others. He sacrifices what he wants for what he can do for others. He, you know, he doesn't do anything grand. But he doesn't do anything that, you know, sucks. But when faced with the alternate of him not doing anything, the middle of the road seems absolutely beautiful. Which is Mm -hmm. kind of the way to go. Like, if you're disappointed with, with life thus far, imagine how many lives you've altered just by, you know, being you up to this point. Like, not everybody's gonna be the A-list at the top of the heap, you know, winner, I guess. But to do okay is perfectly fine. Yeah. It's great. It's amazing. I mean, there are so many good things that come from life like that. That it's it's way way better to focus on, you know, the benefits that you you your your so called mediocre life has you know had on others. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's a wonderful life. By local. <laughs> It's a wonderful life. By local. By local. <laughs> I'm gonna all that talk. I'm gonna... All that talk about touching other people's lives, helping others. By local. That's By the, local. That's the main message. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's true. No, it's not. You're tri- no, it's not. You're tripping. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I gave my reasoning. You know, sound off. Tell tell us if we're right. Tell us if no no, not we. I. Tell me if I'm right. 
on Instagram at odyssey.of.cinema. Please tell me that I'm right. Buy local. Buy <laughs> local. <laughs> mm, well, you know, let's just agree to disagree. All right. That's fair. Yeah. 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 Hey, Tristan. Yeah. Do you want to play a game? Yeah, let's go. Let's play a game. All right, let's play a game. So, you've heard of, you know, Dimension 20, right? The uh, formerly College Humor, now Dropout TV's Dungeons & Dragons uh, show called Dimension 20 or D20, also named after the 20-sided die. Doesn't matter. I've given the context. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> this, this is D three, Dimension three. Okay. Okay. This okay. is one of my peeves about the film that I think All could right. be fixed with a more modern uh, acting approach. When investigating character, uh, which is one of the main like Ar- Aristotelian principles of uh drama character's one of them but when investigating character you have to deal with complexity how complex is this character how you know i get i I can't say that another way how complex is this character um but what that boils down to what complexity boils down to at least from one of my professors uh complexity in a character boils down to self-awareness how self-aware is uh, this person of of their actions and of the world that they live in? So, like, uh, let's see. I mean, obviously, almost by the name of the game, there are three dimensions of characters. There's one-dimensional characters, two-dimensional characters, and three-dimensional characters. Three-dimensional characters are the interesting ones. They're the great ones. Yeah. They're the characters that are most complex, fully developed, uh, they have the most self-awareness. They're capable of understanding what is happening to them and allow us to share in their knowledge. They're, they are able to grow and understand how their actions relate in the world that they live in. A right. one-dimensional character, on the other hand, is basically a stock character. They have one mental state, they do one thing, they don't really experience growth or change or anything like that. They kind of just exist in this one spot. They don't undergo any any identity shift, and their self-awareness is none. They don't know what their actions are, how they affect others, or anybody else. And two-dimensional characters, it's just the middle of that. So, that being said, let's go through some of the characters in this film, and you tell me if they're a one-dimensional character, a two-dimensional character, or a three-dimensional character. Oh, and boy. I should note that good, good actors are able to make one- and two-dimensional characters more interesting by giving, making them more complex, by making them more interesting. Instead of just stock. So, okay. 
let's go through, shall we? Let's see. Let's see why maybe this is a rough film. Uh, Annie, the maid. One. Correct. Well, at least in my opinion, that's correct. Yeah, one. Uh, she doesn't do anything. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, there's no self-awareness, there's no emotional shift, there's none of that. How about Violet? Uh, the blonde girl who's always following around George. Uh Uh-huh. One. I would say you're correct. Yeah, Wendy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about Martini? Uh, Wendy. The immigrant... The Italian guy. The Italian guy. Yeah. You said one? Yeah, one. Yeah, gotta agree with you there. How about, you know, I, I loved it when they were doing the scenes together. Um, so we'll lump them together. The cab driver and the cop. Bert and Ernie. <laughs> Bert Those and are Ernie. their names. I know, I know. Isn't that funny? Um, hey. They're both one-dimensional characters. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, what I about, would say so, yeah. I mean, what about, what about Sam? The guy who was dating Mary... And then still stays friends with George afterwards. He's just like, I'll take your girl, but I still love you, George. We'll, we're pals. Yeah. Oh, what? I mean, we only see him like. He's only mentioned like what? Three times? Twice? But he's on. He's, but he's yeah, one dimensional character. How about uh, Mr. Gower? One. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How about... How about Clarence, the angel? One. I agree. I would say... I I would say one. Because even though... Even though... he, He is... Has a more prominent role in the film, in the plot, his actions don't change. His only purpose there is to show George uh, his George's importance to these people's lives. And once he does that, then he gets his wings. Because it doesn't seem like he's really doing that because he, out of the goodness of his heart, it just seems like, because he mentions it multiple times, like, man, I really got to do this to get my wings? Like, he's like, he's like, this is a drag. Like, you really, you really, I really got to do this right now? Yeah. So one-dimensional character. I agree with you, though. I do think it is right. It it fits him to be, it's the only one that really fits him to be a one-dimensional. He has one specific purpose. But. Right. You could make 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 it more complex. You could make a lot of these characters more complex. Yeah. Um, how about Harry Bailey, the brother? Harry Bailey, the brother. So the brother again doesn't have a lot of screen time. No, he does not. He's mentioned quite a bit, a little bit. He doesn't. 
No, I would say one-dimensional because it doesn't really... There's nothing we know about him other than, like, oh, he's a war hero. Yeah. That's about but, it. Yeah. That's not self-awareness. That's not his, his development or complexity. Yeah. All right, now we're getting into some of the more interesting ones. How about Uncle Billy? The um, uncle who left, left the, uh, gave the money to straight to Potter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I know who he is. Um, trying to think, man. I'd say I'd say one dimensional. I agree. Well, I don't know, because, like... Uh, I mean, he doesn't go through a change. The no, most he intense acting does is just regret. How could I misplace $8,000? That's true. That's true. Are you... Yeah. That's the thing. That's the crazy thing about this. Okay, I've just got three left. And, I mean, uh, it's kind of self-explanatory who they probably are. Uh, how do we feel about... Mary. 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 Mary Bailey. Um give you a hint. Again, a one dimensional. Yeah. Yeah, you are we catching on? Are we catching the gimmick here? <laughs> Do we see the point? <laughs> catching on after like ten characters? Are we catching on? Is there a pattern here? Are we catching on? Do we get it everybody? Okay. <laughs> How about <laughs> How about Mr. Potter? <laughs> uh, dude, easy one-dimensional character. That's the easiest. See, I almost want to say it's a two. I almost no, want to say he no, reflects he's... just because he understands how his actions... Oh, that's true. Because of his, pl his plotting, his planning, how his okay. actions will affect the good community point. and what he wants to do. That's, that's a good the point. only one I can kind of give him credit for. That is true. That's true. You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But then George Bailey. George Bailey. George Bailey. At most. Okay. His his he doesn't really change that much. However, he gets to a breaking point where he does want to change in his living status, and he's he's met he's met a crossroads where he's like, "Dude, I'm I'm losing everything," and he's like, "All right, see y'all later," and then he, he he runs into his angel, and his angel's like, "Bro, chill out, hold on, dog." Let me show you something real quick. Shows him that thing. George is like, okay, I see your point. And then he becomes more appreciated appreciative of his of his life and the people around him. But even then, his actions don't change, Max. His actions don't change. He's still he's still he's still 
he still wants to give and help others. He still wants to give to others and help others. But the self-awareness of his actions and how he impacts the world around him. That's where the dimension comes in. I guess, yeah, that's true. Because he didn't really recognize that before his interaction with the angel. Yeah. That's a good point. But then in that way, though, in that... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Three-dimensional. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Of of these characters, like, these are probably the characters with some of the most screen time. Um, they're all one-dimensional, pretty much. I, could, I can make an argument for Potter being two, but he's pretty one-dimensional. Um, yeah. And then you've got your main character, who is usually three-dimensional. That is, I think, the problem with this movie and why I would love to see it remade with modern acting technique so that everybody doesn't sound the same, like the same ad from the 1940s. Because there is so much you could do with each of these characters. I mean, you could, you could, you could add in, you know, Mary's emotions. How, how is she taking this? How is she feeling this? How is she impacting this now that she's got the man that she wanted uh, to marry and it kind of fell in love with? Um, you could take, I mean, you could dive into Potter. Why is Potter the way he is? An actor can look at Potter and say, you know, he wants to be this way because X, Y, Z. Um, you know, you could look at his friends, Sam, Bert, Ert, Bert and Ernie. Um why are they still friends with George? Is it because he gives them stuff and, you know, he's very generous? Or is, it, is there something else about it? Like, all of these can be fleshed out. All of these can be, you know, figured out. Like, Clarence can be more complex. I mean, there can be this level of beauty and complexity in, you know, you using some more silences and and developing these characters more because otherwise it's just you know black and white two hours of one of the Rankin Bass claymation Christmas movies because everybody is one dimensional and fits in a little cookie cutter stock character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also by local. <laughs> by local <laughs> by local you know it's a wonderful life George helping others being such a light in these people's lives by local <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> Oh, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> buy local, everybody. Buy local. That's the that's the message of "It's a Wonderful Life." Exactly, you know what they yeah. should have actually called this? They should have called this what? "Support your your mom and pop shops." <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's the title. <laughs> Support your mom and pop shops. <laughs> you know they they could have you know. 
Uh, where do you think they sourced all the clothing from? They bought they bought all their drip from the local store, of course. They weren't, you know, going to some big box retailer, Amazon or TJ Maxx or whatever. They weren't going to those big retailers. They're going to, you know, the spinster who is making these clothes by hand. <laughs> they weren't going to. They weren't going to Macy's. They were going to the corner store. Yeah, which segues, definitely, which segues us into the drip. Buy local, buy local. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to breathe if we keep doing this. <laughs> the drip. Okay, the drip. Yeah. All right, well. This film, there isn't many highlights, I think, because all the dudes are wearing suits. I mean, I have an answer. I mean, I do too. I do too. Okay, who's your... Who's your answer? My favorite, my favorite fit... It's got to go to the guy who is in that room with George and the angel after he jumps off the bridge to save his angel. Like the like the 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 the, the watch house guy, the, the dock master or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Just cuz it's not a suit. The other answer, the other, the other, the other fit I was thinking of was Mary's like black dress with the white like collar or whatever. That was it. Honestly, I gotta go with Potter. Like, oh, you like his his suit? There's something about like the visible. Yeah, there's something about the collar with the tie. As well as the fact that he's, you know, in that ornate wheelchair. Like, there's just something about it that, I mean, plus he's got the hat. Like, like yeah, he's the bad guy. Of course he's, of course he's the bad guy. He's wearing a black hat. But, uh, you know, there's just something about it that's really good looking. <laughs> the, yeah, this film's not really... Uh conducive to many oh you know i i think also young george when he's in the store i think that fits cool what he wears as a kid in the store is pretty dope it's a great answer that's a great but that's it that's it i think those are the only things i can think of off the top of my head that's fair We'll talk about how Potter hasn't changed his clothes in the last 20 years uh, next week. Oh. <laughs> He's wearing the same thing I've right. seen. 20 years later, he doesn't change. Dude, the costume, the costume department was just like, ah, no one will notice. Nah. <laughs> but I noticed. You did. Make you did notice. 
some some poor sap. Just I'm so sorry, costuming department. But does that do it? I think is it life really wonderful? Life is wonderful, and you should cherish it and not take it for granted. And buy local. What? And buy local. And buy local. Yes, buy local. That is the most important thing. You gotta buy local. Look. You can't neglect your local mom and pop shops. Because when you neglect your local mom and pop shops, people like George Bailey aren't gonna be able to thrive. Okay? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you you good? Yeah, I'm good. Alright, cool, cool. <sighs> well Well I think uh I think that's it. For this, for this one. Yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful life, I think. It's, I mean, it's a classic. However, is it the best Christmas movie of all time, like many people say? No, absolutely not. Um, it has its flaws, and it shows its age 1,000%. Um, but, you know, it's good. I I liked it. I liked it. I didn't think it was bad. Yeah, it was okay. Good story. Yeah, I'll say it again. Good, yeah. great story. Yeah, I think you're right. If it was, if it was remade in a modern setting, well, not, not even the setting really matters, but just like with modern filmmaking techniques and. Um, modern acting and better writing, for sure. Better writing. This this yeah. film would be better. But no, it is what it is. But you said it's in the public domain, right? It was for a little bit. Um, the producers forgot to renew the uh copyright on it. This was back when it expired. I think it was every like 14 or 26, something like that, years. And it mm. entered the public domain. And then well, some of the networks just started airing it because it was free. Uh, okay. Because of the public domain. And they were able to, you know, show it uh, just because of it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it was purchased by Paramount. Um, oh, no, that's the film company. Sorry. The movie was purchased in 55. 19 years later, a clerical error prevented the copyright from being renewed. So 1974, it entered into the public domain. Became a holiday favorite in the 80s. Like, it was a flop when it premiered. Oh, really? flop in the 40s. No one likes that movie in the 40s. But because of its... Everyone being able to see it because of the, you know, amount of times that people could go go and see it. It uh, 
showed on a, a ton of local television in the eighties. It people began began loving it. Um, and in nineteen ninety four, the studio that owned it um, sold television rights to NBC. Um, and so NBC began to show it, um, mm-hmm. traditionally showing it on Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve. Oh, I see. Um, they still do that. I don't know. I mean, I've never watched it, so who's to say? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Who even has cable TV anymore? That's sad. If you do, do you know somebody that does? I think we I think we do, but like we don't love it. I think my grandmother's switched cable providers about four times in the last year. <laughs> I don't think that's healthy. You should just tell her to ditch it and just get like a you know, like YouTube TV or something. But then I'd have to teach her how it works. No. You know, yeah, yeah, I don't want to do that, huh? No. Well, yeah. first I'd have to teach me how it works. <laughs> then. Mm-hmm. I see, I see. Then I'd, yeah. But thank you all for listening. Yes. Thank you all. Sorry, apologies for the delay for this one. Un- unforeseen circumstances occurred, and that's why this is late. But we'll get back on track soon. Just in time for Christmas. Um, Love Actually will be, will be released at a later date, not on Christmas Day, sadly. Um, but next Wednesday, Fanny and Alexander. Yes, promise. for real this time. For real this time, we promise. Yeah, not we're not talk, we're not gonna watch Neil Breen. We promise. Yet. <laughs> uh, or are we? Or are we? Mm, we'll find out. Actually, we'll keep you on your toes. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, oh, and then um, and then after that, it's our. Yearly review, right? Yes, indeed. Yes. That's going to be fun. It'll be great. Dude, I'm trying to dude, I'm trying my hardest to cram in Godzilla, The Zone of Interest, and Poor Things before the end of this year. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I believe in you. Cuz I got to go to Santa Monica to freaking watch Zone of Interest. That's like an hour drive from where I live. Ooh. And I gotta go to Burbank, which is 30 minutes, so not as bad from where I live, to watch Poor Things. And then Godzilla, I just gotta watch before it's not in my local theaters. I saw Godzilla. Which, which pisses me off, because why do I have an art house theater in the area I live but doesn't show any of these art house films. I get Zone of Interest because it's only one theater in LA that's showing it, so I get that. But Poor Things, why is it not in the one here? But it's like in other locations with the same chain. Lamel, have you ever heard of Lamel? No. No, okay. Well, it's like a chain of art, like independent cinema 
but they're not showing poor things. Like, they're showing it in different locations in L.A., but not this one. Like, what's the deal with that? And holdovers, too. What's the deal with that? You know? Make it make sense. And there's other films that I want to watch that are in different Lamel locations all across L.A., but not the one next to, not the one near my house. Make it make sense. It don't make no sense. Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Anyways, join us next week for Fanny and Alexander. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We thank you very, very much for listening. We greatly appreciate the chance to be doing this for you, and we hope that you enjoy uh, Mm -hmm. listening to us chat, ramble, talk, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. debate. By local. Um, By local, yes. But, uh, yeah. We appreciate it. That'll do it for us here on yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. I'm going to let you take it. All Just right. Kidding. Yeah, tune in next week for uh, Fanny and Alexander from Igmar Bergman. This has been It's a Wonderful Life. You're on Cinematic Odyssey. Forever.